Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Team. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. In his playing days, he was known as the Igniter. Now, he's here to kickstart your Sunday Twins fix. It's the Paul Molitor Show. You, know, you can hit a mistake a long way. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. There's not a lot of guys who can close on balls like that. It was quite a play. Just a down and start by him. The Paul Molitor Show is sponsored by Killabrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Now, here are the hosts of The Paul Mahler Show, Chris Atterbury and Jack Morris. Well, good morning and welcome to The Paul Mahler Show. All across our network, long day yesterday, right back at it. Early today, Twins taking on the Cleveland Indians. Chance to pick up a win in the series and move back into the top of the American League Central. Jack Morris is here. Paul Molitor is here. My name is Chris Atterbury. Glad to have you with us. And first and foremost, gentlemen, happy Father's Day to both of you. It's a great day. It's a great day. It's a long day for Paul and the team yesterday, but uh, well, another day today. Good morning to you guys, and uh, happy Father's Day right back at you. Good day to honor our dads, and, uh, and hopefully we'll see some dads with their kids out at the ballpark today. We'll have a good day. Yeah, we get to see. You guys get to bring your, your kids around and share them with, uh, with the ballpark and the studio. It's always a good time. And you mentioned uh, your dads, and, and both of you, let's just start there. Without your dads, do you become... Not only the people you are, which the answer is no, but do you become a, the ball player that you are? I mean, what was the influence of your fathers in your life? Well, I appreciate you asking. Uh, you know, I, I lost my father in 2002, but, you know, during his life, you know, raising eight kids, I learned so much from him about work ethic and what he did to sacrifice to make sure that we were all taken care of. And, uh, you know, as far as sports, you know, we see all different types of dads. Mine was, my father was one who was always there, but never meddled you know he kind of was just there to pat you on the back and not try to change you he was just uh had that had that supportive uh outlook which uh you know i think even more so in hindsight that i have a lot of respect for yeah i can i echo that whole thing i think uh when you're a kid you don't realize what dad goes through you know you you just assume that why are you gone for the day when we should be playing catch you know that kind of thing and (laughs) And he comes home from work every day. And, you know, about high school, you start feeling like, okay, this guy's doing a lot of work. And I couldn't be uh, more thankful for my dad. He's totally been uh, everything you want your dad to be. You know, Paul knows this because we we grew up uh, as kids together. My dad pushed us pretty hard when we were young uh, through the junior high, high school years. And then I think he realized that, you know, that isn't the best strategy and he backed off and uh, my brother and I both uh, really appreciated 
uh, who he was then and, you know, what he became later on in life because uh, he was just a good example of working hard. You know, I remember one of my favorite memories of my dad was uh, my very first car was a 1952 Willys Jeep. <laughs> and uh, after about, uh, it, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of miles it had, but after about 20 miles of driving it, I blew the engine. And Dad said, all right, well, you know, we can junk it or we can put a small block V8 in there. What do you want to do? And the two of us spent all winter yeah. pulling that little four-cylinder out and putting a small block V8. And I learned so much about work ethic from that experience. Dad said, you're going to do it? I mean, I remember every little corner I tried to cut. He said, nope, we got to put that in do it right. He says, do it right the first time. You don't have to fix it three times. So. Those are the kind of things he taught me. I just see Jack with some surfboards on his willies, you know, heading down to the beach. Let's talk a little bit about baseball. And, Paul, just quickly, yesterday the challenges of a doubleheader are, are there for both clubs. And, and all of the juggling and trying to figure out who's here, who's there, and the roster decisions makes it even more complex. Uh, one thing yesterday, you, you dropped two games. It wasn't for a lack of effort. You guys played hard two games. Uh, just at the end of the day, didn't have enough in the uh, uh, enough ammunition. Well, I think the effort was there. There's no question about that. And, you know, both teams had to worry about, uh, you know, roster manipulation to try to line ourselves up to get through the day. Uh, we had discussions for days leading up to yesterday about how things might unfold and complicated a little bit by our starting depth right now and some of the injuries and those things. But that's part of the game. It's part of a 162-game schedule. You know, Cleveland brought up, uh, you know, Merritt, who doesn't have a ton of experience, and Clevenger came up as a 26-man. So, you know, they fought around it. They had a really good day. Uh, the reality was that they, they pitched a little better, and they certainly hit a little better, and they made a lot of good plays, especially in that second game. I was really hopeful we could find a way to salvage that second game, and Mejia hung in there pretty well. And certainly with the with the rain and, and having to make a change, we were still okay, but uh, they found a way to add on. So it was a long day. Uh, three games haven't gone as we had hoped. And, uh, you know, I, I told the guys last night, you know, we're, we're still sitting in a pretty good spot. Uh, we still got a few days to go before we even begin the actual summer season of baseball. So uh, strap it on, come back today, and let's have some energy and see how the last game goes. All right, well said. We're going to talk when we return to the Paul Molitor Show about the pitching rotation, about some of the guys uh, in terms of their progress trying to get back healthy and in the mix. All of that with Paul and Jack next right here on your home for Twins Baseball. This is the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's the Paul Molitor Show. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created, legends are made. Hopefully you with your dad going to make some memories here today, and hopefully you'll do it right here at Target Field. Twins take on the Tribe later on this uh, afternoon. Kyle Gibson going to pitch for the Minnesota Twins. He'll be opposed by Trevor Bauer. Let's stay in the rotation, Paul, because it has been, uh, it's really been a dance all year between all the injuries. Go back to Trevor May getting hurt in spring training and and Hughes, and now Santiago is out. Uh, Struggles for Gibson early. You you guys have kind of been juggling uh, all year long, but maybe never more so than right now. You've got Irvin, you've got Jose, Kyle's going to go today, and then after that it's been uh, a steady stream of questions. Uh, How how far out are you guys working on this? How many different options are you discussing with the front office on any given day? Well, you know, I, excuse me, I, I try to keep, uh, you know, a calendar at least a couple weeks out as far as how we're potentially going to slot our rotation. Um, you're right, though, right now with uh, our situation and not certain of, you know, both Phil Hughes and Hector's return 
timetable, what their role is going to be. Uh, so in the short term, we're, we're just kind of, uh, you know, piecing it together almost game by game. You know, I think we all know Gibby's, like you said, is going today, and we're going to have uh, – we'll have Santana and Barrios the first two games uh, against Chicago. We're still trying to decide on Thursday. And, of course, uh, Gibby would be potentially able to come back on Friday, and we'd have another opportunity for someone else on Saturday. So um, Hector's situation, he's done fine in this couple of bullpen sessions. We're going to – finalized this morning possibility of uh you know maybe needing to go out and, and face some hitters in a game situation potentially in the minor leagues and uh and phil's going to try to throw to some sim, some hitters in a simulated situation sometime before the home stands over and we'll get a better feel of where he's at paul the way uh, you can manipulate the roster with uh, all the guys that have options and going up and down compared to the generation that you played in um do you see it a benefit to you as a manager nowadays? I mean, you know, I, I know there's good and bad in both sides sure. of it, but, uh, you know, the fact that you can make changes in the middle of a double header right. uh, because the guy won't be available, it's got to be a plus in some ways, isn't it? Well, I, I think it. They, they try to make it uh, a positive for teams to be able to not only try to be as competitive as you possibly can, but you're also protecting players. Uh, by potentially having to overuse them when the games get overloaded in a particular section of your season. So I, I think we're still learning how to do it best. I think Derek and Thad uh, up top are, you know, very cognizant of the fact that we have rules that have changed through the years that give us opportunities to kind of have the shuttle going on uh, fairly constantly. You know, we were fortunate early in the year to be fairly stable, but it's been anything but that here the last month or so. So we'll, we'll keep trying to take advantage of where the rules allow us to and, and try to keep best people out there. I gotta believe that it's a disadvantage for teams with marginal pitching staffs to have doubleheaders, and the Twins uh, seem to have piled up some long inning games, some huge run games, yeah. and here in the short week uh, you're gonna have two doubleheaders again. It's it's gotta be very tough on everybody involved with the finding figuring out that roster. Well, I, I think it takes its toll on on you know good teams teams that maybe uh, staffs are a little bit in flux right now, uh, as ours has been. Uh, but, you know, I, I try not to, you know, no self-sympathy or any of those type of no, things. It, I, is, it is what it is. It and is, you, right. you try I'm to – I, I always try to talk about to these guys the opportunities that they have when when you get a chance to go out there and pitch, and, and you hope that guys take advantage. Uh, we saw, you know, Busenitz come up yesterday, and he got into a game right away, and, you know, he had a nice first outing. So those are some of the things that you look for as you possibly transition throughout the summer. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Paul. And you mentioned earlier in the week, I think, to one of the writers about if, if you're a pitcher in this organization, you, you should see opportunity. You should be hungry, whatever level you're at. So you're seeing a lot of different guys get a chance, whether it's Wilk or Heston or Turley. Uh, what do you look for in them when they pitch? Now, not no one's going to just show up and throw eight scoreless innings every time, but what little things are you looking for when these guys rotate through on the carousel that maybe give you and Neil Allen the idea that, you know what, there, there might be something there? Well, I, I think, first of all, I'm not sure if hungry was the right word that I used. Um, it was the right word, but I, I'm, as far as what their attitude should be, I think these guys spend <clears throat> their whole childhood imagining being a major league pitcher, and in, sometimes in certain teams, in certain circumstances, you might be throwing really well. There's just no opportunity, but that's <clears throat> but that's not the case here right now, so... Uh, I look for guys that have composure, that they trust that their stuff that allow them to climb through the minor leagues will play up here. And when they get out there, they, you know, attack hitters and don't back down. 
and uh, then we'll see if their stuff plays. Yeah, that's a great answer. We'll uh, take a break. When we come back, we'll see if our stuff plays. And as far as talking about the offense, we got to bring up Eduardo Escobar. It's been a great week for number five. We'll talk about that when we return on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back to the Paul Molitor Show. Happy Father's Day to you. Chris Atterbury, pleased to be joined by Jack Morris and Paul Molitor. And, Paul, we can lament pitching and, and, and injuries and doubleheaders and schedule all we want, but let's move on to the, the happy stuff. Eduardo Escobar. Making a lot of people smile this last week. There's something about that guy. You know, he's a, a galvanizing figure, and he has had an opportunity over the course of the last week plus, and he has taken advantage of that opportunity. And it seems like one of those guys, when he's going, uh, he just kind of lifts the whole, you know, with the water, lifts all the boats up a little bit with him. Well, he's uh, he's a, one of the easier guys uh, to cheer for, if you will, in our clubhouse. I think guys really rally behind him and uh you know he's accepted his role of not being an everyday player although his at bats are starting to pile up in the and even in a reserve role but you know i mean he was i looked up looked up a couple of weeks ago when he was hitting 205 <laughs> and you know now it's almost 300 which has been an incredible jump for this stage of the season and uh you know it's i, I just think that he's kind of found his swing he's always been a little bit of a streaky guy when he was an everyday player and at different times, but when he gets going, he's he's kind of carefree, and, you know, he, he he can swing it. I don't know if he's the best at pitch selection all the time, but uh, when he's hot, he gets the barrel on the ball. And so, uh, you know, it's been fun to watch him kind of surge here a little bit and help us win a few games. Paul, it leads to my question. Uh, if you were to go into uh, a high school baseball team and uh, talk about the – the ingredients needed necessary to be an impact player in the big leagues. Uh, you got to believe that a guy like Escobar, uh, maybe for all the reasons you just said, you know, uh, maybe not the guy that you would pick number one, but certainly a huge part of this baseball team. And you and I have played with guys that have always been that kind of guy, very positive, upbeat every day, everybody, great teammate. You know, people sure. love to have him be a part of it. Uh, would you mention that to young kids today about, you know, where they're going and, and how do I go about that? Well, I, I think I, when I've had those opportunities, Jack, whether it's high school level or even when I go down, talk, down and talk to the minor leagues mm-hmm. uh, every year in spring training, um, that's always one of the, the points of interest is the, the, just the importance of, of being that guy that's unselfish, that, you know, checks his ego at the door, that, you know, puts other people in front of themselves. <laughs> Um, obviously, you want to have talent. You want to be able to do some things on the baseball field. We try to preach being a good baseball player, not just be a good hitter or a good defender or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ingredients that, that make a guy valuable. But if you're one of those guys that people look forward to seeing in the clubhouse every day that has an attitude, win-lose, tough stretches, good stretches, and you're the same guy, um, there's some value there. And, and Esco would be one of those guys at the top of the list for our squad. Yeah, and it's so difficult when you're not playing every day. He, he's figured out how to handle that. Another guy who was thrust into that role when Jorge Polanco was gone on the bereavement list was Adrianza. Uh, you had a chance to kind of see him in an extended run for the first time. Your thoughts on, on what he brings to the table? Well, you know, this winter when we, we were able to pick him up, uh, everything we heard about his time in San Francisco, uh, as far as some of those things that Esco has quality-wise, uh, He's, he's shown that to us throughout the course of the spring, and now that he's come up here and had a chance to play a little bit, particularly with Polanco's absence, um, you know, he's a good professional player. He's played really well defensively, and he's put together some good at-bats for us. Um, you know, he knows his role here. It's a little different than the National League. You're not going to get in there on double switches and some of those type things as frequently. But when I've called upon him, he, he's played well. Even in the first game of that doubleheader yesterday, he had a couple big hits and made some nice plays at short. 
Uh, I have a lot of confidence I can play him around, and, and, and at least on the defensive side, we're going to be better for it. One of the things I, I think about in big picture scheme is, you know, you look at the start of last year, which none of us really want to look at anymore, but the reality <laughs> is it, it happened. Um, and you saw that when pitching went south, everything seemed to follow. And uh, this team has been so good defensively. It's been a constant. you got to be really uh, proud of the fact that your guys have hung in there <clears throat> defensively. Chris and I were talking before we before you showed up here today, Paul, that offense is going to come and go. And right now they, they've struggled a little bit on this homestand for whatever reason. Uh, which leads to another question about road and home record. But what I'm what I'm really trying to say is, does it ever concern you that without a, a little more consistency in the pitching staff that it's going to be hard for these guys mentally to come every day and, and carry their load uh, both offensively and defensively? It adds to the challenge. I think that we felt that over these last three games. Uh, you know, come out and you're ready to play, and then, you know, you give up crooked numbers early. And, you know, I, part of my job and our coaches is, is to try to keep the dugout from feeling like here we go again. Right. And, uh, you know, you can, you can feel it when, it's, when those type of uh, group, you know, thought processes is ongoing. So we're trying to, you know, stem those where we need to. But I, I, there's no question that your team is going to ebb and flow throughout the year, but a lot of it is going to be dictated in how you pitch. And, and when your pitching struggles, it's going to be a big challenge. we got to take our final break. We'll come back more with Jack and Paul in a moment. It's the Paul Molitor Show. This is your home for Twins Baseball. It's our final segment of the Paul Molitor Show. Jack Morris, Paul Molitor here in studio. Twins and Tribe later today. Kyle Gibson taking on Trevor Bauer. I, I want to get to one kind of broader point before we talk specifically about today. More home runs hit at Target Field this year than any other ballpark in, in baseball. And, and it used to be Remember this the first couple of years. Boy, you can't hit it out of here. Why they build it so big, you know, and we got dry cement or whatever the, the various elements people have thrown out. More home runs around baseball, and now the big theory's coming out, the ball. It's all about the ball. Have you noticed a difference, Paul, Jack, either of you, in the ball? I mean, a pitcher's always going to think the ball is, is wound too tightly, but do you see any sort of relevancy in that, the boy it's jumping? Well, I think you're going to get a lot of theories on why the home runs are up. I uh, I think Jack and I have been around long enough to every once in a while when we go through these trends, the baseball is one of the first things that's questioned. Uh, you know, I, I, I look at a bigger picture. It's probably a, a plethora of things that are contributing. Uh, number one, I think hitters' mentality is to try to hit home runs way more than it used to be, hence the strikeouts and other things that we see that have dwindled, you know, overall batting average and, and some of those other things. And the strikeouts are through the roof. But, uh, you know, as far as our, our ballpark, um, I think it's kind of been one of those parks, for, uh, at least early on, where it, it, it was looked at as being somewhat cavernous. But, uh, you know, we've seen stretches here in the past where the balls really is, has flown here. And I think this week with the warmer weather, uh, there's no question the ball's been jumping out of here pretty good. I, I'm, not, I'm not real big on the ball theory, though. I, I think there's other factors. And I agree. I, I you know... We've, we've had those series for a long time. You know, I remember <laughs> during one of our years together, we uh, they said the balls were juiced. And, you know, I think it's more about the mentality. Number one, Paul, I agree with him. Guys are trying to hit home runs, but they're bigger and stronger. Uh, that's that's the way it's supposed to be. Guys are supposed to be become something. I also believe that there are less pitchers willing to make hitters uncomfortable. 
And because of the rule years ago that umpires can throw the guy out of the game if they think they're throwing at somebody, I think that changed the mentality of the way pitchers pitch. I think uh, so many scouts have preached to young kids down and away, down and away, down and away, that hitters have become comfortable diving out over the plate. They don't even know how to get out of the way anymore. And there's very few guys willing to move their feet and get them off the plate, so they're less comfortable. And, uh, you know, when you have all those things combined, I think you're going to see more home runs. Well, Cleveland hit some home runs yesterday. Twins have hit some home runs on the homestand. What does Kyle Gibson have to do today to keep those guys uncomfortable and keep them from uh, putting the ball in the seats? I I think we've seen some improvement from Kyle since he's returned. Uh, You know, the last game, you know, there was some times where, uh, you know, he had faced Seattle uh, his previous start, and he had done well, and he had thrown maybe more curveballs than he ever threw in his life, and he came in that day and was concerned about, you know, are they going to adjust to him? What did he need to do to adjust? Instead of just uh, going out there and say, you know, this is how Kyle Gibson pitches, sure, certainly you're aware of the scouting report, but, you know, you when you start overthinking, some bad things can happen. So I, I'm hoping that, you know, he's watched these guys. He's got a pretty good feel, but I, I still think he's got to be in attack mode. He had one of the better fastballs uh, of the year, his last outing, and for some reason he got away from using it as much as I thought he should, especially when we had a lead to work with. And, uh, you know, it's a chance for him to go out there and stop the bleeding a little bit. Hopefully he doesn't put too much pressure on himself. But, you know, it's it's a big day for him to go out there and step up for our club. Paul, his last start, um, his manager did one thing that I haven't seen him do. I was very impressed with what he did. Told the catchers to stay there. Told the infielders to stay there. He went out and had a little heart-to-heart with him. Uh, you want to talk about what that conversation was or just say that uh, it was something that you need to clear the air with Paul? Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's it's not orchestrated. It's certainly impromptu. You're just watching. And uh, the feel of that game after we had scored, I think, 10 runs over a two-inning span and we're up by six or seven, and all of a sudden we start trying to trick people. Uh, I think he could have went out there that next inning and thrown a fastball every pitch, to yeah. be honest <laughs> with you. And, uh, and uh, Change up double, curveball double, change up double. I I just asked him, what's going on? You basically, I don't want to say everything I said, but uh, yeah. you know, I think he got the message, and that he, was good. He did, and we appreciate you letting us be in this conversation. This is the Paul Molitor Show on your home for Twins baseball. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.